This is Cass Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. On Cass Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cass Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. Thanks so much for joining us. We're already into May, you guys. My name is Lydia Cruz. I'm Justin Stiefel. And I'm Maura Dooley. And what is going on with you guys? Busy week now that we are into May? Busy week. Today we're celebrating Cinco de Mayo. So we talked about that last week and gave a few cocktail suggestions. So hopefully people spent the week getting ready to celebrate today. And hopefully they are responsible and safe so that they can listen to us next week. And... Last week, we had our grand practice opening for our new location in Ballard, and the uh, Heritage Distilling Company staff we hired up, and they've been training and doing very well there, and uh, getting ready for our official ribbon cutting coming up on May 12th for the new Ballard location. That's so awesome. I'm glad to hear that you guys have a location that's a little bit closer to us. Can't wait to come check it out. So what else is going on in the news this week in the headlines? Well, uh, this time of year is also uh, Kentucky Derby. We talked last week about the proper way to make a mint julep. And uh, we found this week an article about a tequila-based cocktail that they call the agave julep. And it happens to be offered by a hotel in Kentucky. And uh, any idea how much they're charging for one cocktail of the agave julep? Mm, Tequila-based? I feel like it can't be that much. It's 1500 U.S. dollars. What? For one drink. Yeah, the agave julep. And the thing that makes it so expensive <laughs> is that they're using 25-year-old bourbon, uh, the old Rip Van, Rip Van Winkle 25-year-old bourbon, uh, of which there were only 710 bottles made of that particular bottling. So it's quite expensive. Uh, a bottle retails for over $7,500 for that. Also, they're using Patron uh, Lalique, which uh, is a small batch version that is aged for eight years of the tequila. Um, they age it in American oak and French oak and sherry barrels. And the combination offered by this hotel, the twist on the mint julep, they're charging $1,500. It says, in addition to tequila and bourbon, the recipe includes Kentucky kernel mint, chocolate mint, a dash of chocolate bitters, and a key lime-infused caramel sugar. That does not even sound good to me. I wouldn't even pay $10 for that. I think that they uh, are adding some of those other ingredients to offset some of the flavor of the tequila uh, to make it a little sweeter because a, a traditional mint julep is very sweet because of the sugar you put in. Yeah. So, I've not tried this. I'm not going to fly there to uh, <laughs> enjoy this. I'm certainly not going to spend $1,500 in the cocktail. But it is something we might be able to make at home and experiment with just with some regular bourbons and uh, regular gave. We might, maybe we'll, we will report back to you on how that goes. Yeah, for a slightly less, uh, slightly smaller price tag at home. I'm interested. Yeah. <laughs> also in the news this uh, last week, Sony, Sony Pictures, right, sues a brewery over Breaking Bad themed beer. Uh-oh. Yeah, and this brewery called Knee Deep Brewing Company out of California came up with a Breaking Bud beer and it uses hops and the photos and the imagery they have on the label 
is basically a hop dressed up like the guy in Breaking Bad mm -hmm. in the desert. Walter White. As if he's getting ready to uh, mix up a bunch of stuff in a van. And Sony is sued saying that they're basically uh, trying to misappropriate the Breaking Bad television show at their expense to sell this beer. Yeah, this is, uh, I will say, I, as a fan of Breaking Bad who's watched a lot, there's no mistaking the fact that this is a clear, cl like, close copy to that television show. Yeah, and the head owner of the Knee Deep Brewing, named Jerry Moore, said they had contact with Sony three years ago, uh, but he had no indication that the company had a problem with the beer. And he said his customers realized that the beer label was a joke and wasn't actually affiliated with the show. And he said he was surprised by the unexpected lawsuit, uh, especially after they'd been in contact a few years ago. But it's not whether or not the label is a joke. It's whether some customer would assume that the source of it is somehow associated with the TV show or is endorsed by the TV show. And so not knowing the TV show was made by Sony, they... Uh, might look at this on the shelf and say, oh, well, it looks like Knee Deep Brewing Company did a deal to license the Breaking Bad TV name in order to market and sell this product. And, and an average customer wouldn't be faulted for assuming that. You got to get back to the drawing board, come up with something new. Yeah, you don't want to yes. fight with Sony, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> no. Don't fight with Sony. No. <laughs> and uh, lastly, we found this fun little article. In New Zealand, the uh, town of Marlborough is trying to install its first ever wine fountain. Ooh, I am so, planning a trip now. <laughs> that's right. So this would be uh, a fountain in the middle of town that would be bubbling up and, and shooting out red wine. And the idea behind it is to be another reason for tourists to come into that downtown area and walk up to the fountain and maybe put their bottle underneath and grab some wine to take with them, which I would not do uh, because <laughs> you don't know how long that wine's been sitting there recirculating. Uh, not very sanitary for my liking, but there will be some who <laughs> want to walk up and sample out of the fountain. And and am I right in, in seeing that this is not like a novel thing, that this exists other places? Yeah, there's one in Brazil, the town in uh, Bento uh, Goncalves, Brazil. Uh, there's another one in uh, Spain. There's one uh, in Italy wow. that they cited. And uh, this is not new necessarily. It's not frequently found, but it is not new. And uh, they haven't got it approved yet by the city leadership, but they are working to try and do this to uh, attract more notoriety. And of course, there's lots of wine grown in New Zealand. And uh, from a marketing position, the ability to set your town apart and to get people to come in and try New Zealand-made wine uh, in a fun way. I just worry about little kids and, and uh, you know, folks who are not living at home or bums, you know, spending the night drinking out of the wine fountain. Yeah, it <laughs> says their, their Facebook Seattle? page says it's for tourists and pilgrims and not a place for drunks. But it's like, yeah, you read the headline and it's like, amazing, a wine fountain. That sounds great. But when you actually get down to it, there's a lot of logistical problems with it. Can you imagine one in downtown Seattle somewhere, Pioneer Square, a wine fountain? No, no. no. <laughs> we no, might be a ways off from well, that. Well, you're right just about the sanitary issue, like bugs flying in, people reaching their hands in. There's just so many Birds. things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no go. Coming up on Cast Club Radio, we've talked a lot about 
why aesthetics are important when making cocktails, when making drinks. Well, they're becoming an increasingly important part of what attracts people to bars and where you drink your cocktails as well. We'll explain next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. We've talked a lot on the show about what goes into a great cocktail, including the aesthetics of said cocktail. Well, it turns out that aesthetics are an increasingly important part of not only cocktails themselves and the drinks and the beverages we talk so much about on the show, but also the locations that you go to drink them and what draws people into bars, restaurants, those types of places. One example of this would be Soho's Bar Swift. Now, we learned about this from the GQ Food and Drinks Awards, where Swift has been showered, quote, showered in accolades from them, uh, run by cocktail supremo Bobby Hiddleston, discusses what makes for the best drinking experience in this article. He said, quote, I've said this before. The last thing a person goes into a bar for is a drink. Just let that like comment sink in for a little bit. The last thing a person goes into a bar for is a drink. It sounds counterintuitive, but the three most important things in a bar are things that most guests aren't even aware of. Lighting, music, heating. If these three elements are in harmony, the drinks will taste better, their company will be more entertaining, and they will stay for another round. If any one of these three are off, the guests might not realize why, but they perhaps won't want to stay as long. Pretty pretty uh, huge, would you guys say? I mean, anything that you draw from your own personal experience of having gone to a bar where either all those three things were jiving or one of them was off and immediately you noticed? Yeah, this topic is such a wide uh, ranging area that you could have weeks-long discussions about what goes into good design, good use of elements, customer experience, expectation of the customers, efficiency in the operations. I mean, it's a whole host of things, and we don't have time to cover everything in depth, but uh, we look at the exact same thing when we look to open a new location or to expand or prove an, an existing location for at Heritage. First, what we want when a customer walks in, we want them to become what we call visually intoxicated. And by that we mean we want them to walk in and look at equipment, casks in the cask club, the barrels that we have on display, um, signage, our video uh, showing cocktails on rotation, recipes, videos, and Instagram posts on some of the TV monitors, the staff, what the staff are wearing. There's a whole host of things that go into that experience. And what we find is somebody walks in and they see everything that's around them, they have to start asking questions because they don't quite know what to do with themselves. And when they begin to ask the question, it affords our staff the opportunity to begin to guide them through an experience, which is what we want to do. Same thing in a bar or restaurant. When you walk in and you're visually intoxicated by the surroundings and the music is right, the lighting's right, you're going to engage in the discussion with the wait staff or the bartender. And we've talked about this on the show. You know, going into the bartender and saying, hey, what's good here is not what you want to ask. You want to ask instead, this uh, location is amazing. Make me something that is your most favorite thing to make and have that feed into the experience. So, but all t- at all times, Justin, a point of this is to have people naturally curious when they walk in. I mean, they should always be prompted or wanting to ask questions. Yes, there should be uh, some level of wonderment about where you are. It could be that you have walked into the oldest bar in town. 
Okay, over in Roslyn, mm -hmm. the oldest liquor license in the state of Washington is a, in a bar called The Brick, right in the corner of downtown Roslyn. Um, there are some tremendous places in uh, downtown Seattle. Cannon is one of them. A very, very high-end bar. I mean, when you walk in, there's just so much for you to see, and it's so overwhelming the amount of information to process that no one person can possibly process it all visually. It is going to start a conversation, whether it's with the waitstaff or it's with the people you're sitting drinking with. You're going to talk about your day and what's going on with work, your family, but you're going to look around and say, man, look at that on the wall. Look at that sign. Look at that collection of whiskey bottles. Uh, look at the way this table is displayed. I was down recently in San Diego. There's a bar called uh, Raised by Wolves, mm -hmm. and they have mm -hmm. just finished opening this bar. It's only about 2,500 square feet, not very big. Wow. They spent $5 million on the decor on the inside of this bar. <laughs> and when you walk in, it will take you so long to process all the information that you're going to want to sit and order another drink. Wow. Wow. So how does that objective change if you have, per se, regulars? Because I know, especially with Heritage Distilling, we've talked to some of the people, your cast club members, people who are loyal supporters. How do you change that or target that so that when people who are repeat customers come in, they're still getting that new dose of information or processing? Well, oftentimes it's those regulars who are bringing friends and family in. Oh, and so mm -hmm. they view their own role as being uh, ambassador, steward, curator of <laughs> the space. So yeah. they begin walking their friends or family through everything that you see in the space. And the same thing happens in the bar. You want to bring your friends to a bar where you are a regular or a restaurant where you are a regular. And if you are a good regular and the bartender is willing to make some interesting things for you, or maybe the chef is willing to make some off-menu specialty food items or dessert items for you, that's a very special experience. And as an owner of one of those places, a bar or restaurant, your regulars are the most important reliable sources of regular income and revenue. They're bringing friends and family, and they're proud to display it. You want to go above and beyond to shower them with that extra attention. And the friends and family, hopefully, walk away feeling as though they now have a vested interest in the success of that location and sharing that with their friends and family. That absolutely makes sense. They all, almost take some sort of ownership part of the experience where they get, they get to be host. That's right. When you guys, since we're celebrating the opening of the Ballard location, when, when you guys were designing that, uh, what of these, did these factors come into play or what were you thinking in terms of those big three, whether it's lighting, music, heating, when you were designing Ballard? Well, the Ballard location is pretty small. The whole facility is only 4,000 square feet. We have to do production there. We have to store spirits there. We've got to transfer uh, all the raw ingredients that we need, empty bottles and caps and labels to be able to, to properly function as a distillery. We've got to be able to manage our cask club. We've got to be able to handle some of the waste products that we need to dispose of when we're done distilling. So we have a lot of activities, plus a tasting room, plus retail you know, hats and shot glasses and t-shirts and stuff. So we have to balance everything in the design. Luckily, that facility in Ballard is on a corner. So from a lighting perspective, we've got beautiful glass windows on both corners of, of the streets, Market and 20th. So lighting is not an issue. Having adequate seating for people to come in and enjoy samples. 
we had to design that into a relatively small space, less than a thousand square feet. We also had to figure out how to incorporate the cast club and our distillation production. So we actually brought the cast club out into the retail tasting room space. Mm -hmm. So now when you are in the space enjoying samples, you're surrounded by our cast club, the, the 10 liter barrels. And you're more likely to want to join, sign up, bring your friends, sample out of your barrel and uh, see how your your custom age spirits are progressing and uh, then go back and tell the story and enjoy the spirits uh, at home. So we think we hit all the factors. We're still working on some details. We're learning as customers come in. We always are learning and we're always are trying to be responsive, uh, but we're very excited and uh, we think that that cast club in particular is going to sell out quickly, just like it's sold out in every other location we've opened. That's pretty cool. And that's a good invitation for people to get in before it's too late and they don't have that opportunity to check out the Ballard location and to sort of get, what was it, visually intoxicated? Visual intoxication. Yeah, I Love like it. that. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of aesthetics, up next on Cast Club Radio, we'll talk to Bodie Craig and Beck Hallman, both of Percy's & Co., One of the most beautiful bars in Seattle. How did the concept come to be? What are all the little details that you might not even think about that go into creating this amazing environment? That's next on Cast the Break. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. A big topic of conversation on the show today has been how important aesthetics are to the bar environment and drawing customers in. And when you talk about aesthetics, beautiful bars, there's no better place than Percy's & Co., which actually ended up on Thrillist list of most beautiful bars in Seattle. So we get to talk to Bodie and Beck today about the aesthetic there and how this sort of came to fruition. I would start off asking about the story behind Percy's & Co. and how it came to be. Yeah, so my uh, business partners and I, and my business partners are Wade Weigel and Doug Herrick from the Ace Hotel and from Rudy's Barbershop. And then Jeff Ophel is from Cha Cha. They're all long. They've owned a lot of bars and restaurants and businesses in the Seattle area. They've been in the area for a long time. And we were really, and I've known them for ages, we were really looking for a project to do together. And this fell in love with the space and the building and really just loved its bones. And we had didn't have a concept in mind necessarily, necessarily at the time, but when we started looking into the history of the building and the space, it just started speaking to us. So Percy's, the, the building has been, was um, owned originally by Percy Sankey, and they're an old Ballard family. They're still in the area. And it has been a bar since, let's see, 18, the 1890s, I guess. And it's been a bar since then, up into Prohibition. And at Prohibition, he shut the front of the bar, the bar down, created Percy's men's furnishings, and then opened the back of the bar <laughs> as as a bar, as a speakeasy. Wow. So we really wanted to kind of honor that history. Yeah. And at the time, Ballard was you know, kind of a rough and tumble space. There were more bars than churches. And we just kind of thought about how that spoke to us. And it it ended up, we were thinking about kind of New Orleans. And there were these new, at the time when we opened, before we opened, there were these new sort of craft cocktail movement happening on the East Coast. And we wanted to bring that here with the Seattle twist. And so with our drinks, I think that um, 
that's kind of how we ended up with, you know, these beautiful um, infusions and tinctures that we do, bringing fresh herbs and vegetables into our drinks. There's nothing. Everything's made fresh at the bar. So you're not going to see us pulling out a bottle of something to put in a cocktail. Um, and I think that that kind of spoke to the vibe of how we fleshed out the space. We try to have like a, an apothecary, you know, vibe to it. So like I make a lot of uh, tinctures and bitters and all mm-hmm. the house infusions. Try to source it from our rooftop garden, but, you know, that can only go so far. We're a pretty uh, busy establishment. <laughs> And what I, what I really enjoy about it is it's it's something that we do that we enjoy, but we don't like hide behind it as like a mask. It's not like going to Disneyland, you know, infusion bar or whatever. We we keep it we keep it true to ourselves and and just try to have fun. So is it a constantly evolving process? I mean, you talk about letting the building speak to you and its history speak to you. Obviously, you still have to be innovative with what you're doing. So is there is it an evolving oh, yeah. process? It is an evolving process. And when you start with and you start fleshing out a concept and you get it started, it really is the customers who speak to you, the neighborhood that speaks to you. And it really, I mean, design is not a static thing. And I think that works with the space. We change it around. And I think Bodhi can talk to the, you know, our food and our drinks change have changed a lot. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely just been constantly evolving. I think it's. I mean, our, what I love about our space is that it's it's timeless. You know, we're not going for a, a shtick or a fad. Yeah. So, like, you walk in right now and you're like, "This place is beautiful." You walk in 20 years from now, "Oh, this place is beautiful." It's just timeless. So, what as a cocktail program, you kind of have to always stay evolving. Like when we first opened up, it was definitely apothecary inspired, and still is in some regards. But you know, you just you every day is something new. The, the the drink scene is constantly changing, and you just you just have to you just have to keep up. And and that's what's fun about it is you know, like you said, it's uh, you have to let the customers speak to you. So you just fill it out day by day, and, and luckily have the uh, opportunity to create new things in my office and uh, <laughs> just constantly pump out new flavors and new you know new trials. The GQ article that we mentioned that we read about the aesthetics of a bar and everything it has to offer, three of the big things they mentioned were lighting, music, and uh, heat, actually. And uh, I was wondering, are there details like that that maybe the average customer doesn't actually think about, but that you do have to keep in mind? Well, we when we were working on a space, really, lighting is huge. And we and every detail was thought out of from how a the cutlery feels in your hands to how sexy a customer would feel holding a certain cocktail in a certain glass. Wow. Yeah. And so lighting and and it really kind of lighting helps to emphasize it frames of uh, the plate and it frames the glass and you've got to have great lighting. That's a big one. Um, music is a good one that we've actually had to work on a lot in our space because it's such a big volume and with such high ceilings, it's been something that took us a while to get perfected. And heat, I don't, I'm not, I haven't thought about it. <laughs> well, you guys, <laughs> you guys have a great patio. I mean, that kind of counts. True. That is a heated uh, patio. Yeah. I, never, I guess heat is just a, a bare necessity that I guess we all just take for granted. But we uh, we don't have a, a problem with heat. We you know have the heaters set at a proper temperature, set it and forget it, and no complaints there. One thing that a lot of customers uh, really enjoy and always talk about whenever they come in is 
the amount of plants that we have, like above the bar, mm-hmm. hanging from the ceiling, just meticulously placed. And uh, they, they look so good that a lot of people are skeptical, like whether or not they're real. Like those, <laughs> those plants above the bar aren't real, are they? Like, no, those are, those are real. We pull out a big ladder every day and water them. Um, but that's something that we definitely have unique going for us. It's just the, the, the abundance of uh, plants in there that are just absolutely gorgeous. So- well, we love the feeling that it gives. It's kind of that, you know, uh, foliage with the, the humid long afternoons with the lazy fans on our ceiling going and having a long cocktail, having your friends come in and out and gather. And, you know, we have those the booths along the side that give you a chance um, for a more intimate seating with friends, not intimidating, just a, you know, cozy spot. And then we have those communal tables that just draw your eye all the way down the long bar and to the back patio. I think it just really makes this whole space work really well together. And people really enjoy having a gathering spot. And I think we've um, become one of those places in Ballard um, that people can come just for an impromptu meeting in the afternoons and have a cocktail. Or, But I really think the space shines mm-hmm. in the evenings. Absolutely. And, you know, in the daytime when the sun's shining through the windows, you know, across the plants, mm-hmm. we're kind of going for like a southern Creole vibe, like yeah. kind of like you're strolling yeah. through the French <laughs> Quarter in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we execute that pretty well. So you have this very clearly thought out identity. You have all the aesthetics tying that together. Bodhi, as a bartender, how do you approach trying to incorporate that into the drinks that you make? Well, you focus on produce, herbs, you know, look at what we're serving, which is uh, Southern Creole inspired food. What herbs are going into that? I mean, you have to somewhat go hand in hand with what they're using in the kitchen and then just incorporate into the cocktails. And what's fun, because we have a good classic vibe, it's fun to take kind of old, archaic uh, recipes and just have your own infused twist to it and bring back a classic, but make it uniquely yours at the same time. Yeah, that's the um, most importantly, don't take yourself too serious and just have fun because people who kind of get hoity-toity and, and, and super you know, cocky about what they do, but the customer senses that, and it's kind of off-putting. So... My biggest policy is just don't take yourself too seriously. Try your best and just welcome people in of all of all walks. Yeah, that is a always a good policy in any creative venture to open minded to failure, I guess, per se, but also, yeah, create a sort of a welcoming environment. Clearly, you guys have done that very successfully. So if people want to check out Percy's and Co., uh, can you tell them how to find out either more information or uh, when to come visit you? Um, well, I mean, there's there's definitely our website, uh, Percy Seattle. You know, definitely just come and check it out. <laughs> Ask yeah. your friends about it. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter as Percy Seattle. And we are we open at 4 um, every day. And we, at Saturdays and Sundays, we have um, a beautiful brunch. Yeah, I've heard rumors about this brunch. People should definitely check it out. It's delicious. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and we talked just briefly about it earlier, but summertime right around the corner. We've already seen some of the great weather. People should definitely come check out your your patio. Definitely. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for taking the time. We really appreciate it. 
Thank you. Thanks for having us. Make sure to check out Percy's and Co. in Ballard. Speaking of Ballard, one week from today is the grand opening of the new heritage distilling location in Ballard. So it's perfect if you're there for the grand opening. You can also just walk down the street and have a cocktail at Percy's and Co. Check out this bar and why it landed on Thrillist list of the most beautiful bars in Seattle. More and I will be there for sure. Up next on Cast Club Radio, another cocktail recipe for you. It's sweet, but packs a little bit of heat. That's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thanks so much for hanging out with us uh, for this last hour. Now, we have some some big holidays around this time of year. We're already in May, which I can't believe. Cinco de Mayo and also the Kentucky Derby here. Are either of these holidays celebrated in your guys' households? Will you be celebrating? We're going to be celebrating Cinco de Mayo responsibly. Good, uh, yes. And we will watch Kentucky Derby on TV and uh, probably have a mint julep or two. And then uh, the big most important thing in the month of May is to make sure that we treat mom properly and prepare properly for Mother's Day next weekend. Yeah, it's right around the corner. Are you guys good at not procrastinating? Or it sounds like you are, Justin. Sounds like you're good at prepping beforehand. Prepping for us means making sure we have the right ingredients to make a cocktail. Okay, perfect. I love it. Is there any? Is there anything that is uh, Jennifer's favorite, or that you love to make her? She likes uh, eggs Benedict and grapes. Ooh, yeah. uh, All of us, you know, we have an extended family, so we'll be having quite a few of us get together for Mother's Day brunch, and uh, I think we'll have lots of eggs Benedict on the menu. Love it. How about you, Maura? What What are you up to this weekend? I will be watching the Kentucky Derby. I do enjoy watching the race and picking a long shot and seeing what happens. Oh, Usually like doesn't it. work out, but <laughs> <laughs> but you got to have one. Do you uh, wear any sort of amazing wild hat? To I, watch ha- I have Derby? not done that. Okay, that's on it's my usually to-do just list. at home. But yeah. yeah, we need to actually. Well, we talked last week with Tom from Emerald Downs, so we need to uh, get out to a race together and wear our hats. That is on our to-do list as well. Go right into Are the- you celebrating anything? Celebrating Cinco de Mayo or watching the race? I'll be, I will be watching Kentucky Derby, definitely. We, in my household, um, my family is Mexican, and we celebrate Mexican Independence Day in September. But uh, we root for everybody to celebrate this holiday safely and, yes, <laughs> make sure uh, safely and responsibly, everybody to have a good time. Speaking of which... Is there a great cocktail recipe that people can be making this weekend during all these celebrations? Absolutely. We uh, came up with a very good uh, cocktail. It's going to take a little bit of extra work on uh, the part of listeners to prepare ahead of time, but it hints at spring and warmer weather being around the corner and has some amazing flavors. This is our chili mango smash. And uh, it starts off requiring a mango puree. So in a small pan, Add some mango, one mango peeled, pitted, and chopped. Add some chili, and for uh, chili, we recommend one red chili chopped. Uh, If you want to reduce the heat, then you would take out all the seeds um, before you just put the meat of the uh, chili in. Some water, Um, this is about a cup and a half of water. Some sugar, regular white sugar, half a cup of that. And then a pinch of salt. So the mango, red chili, water, sugar, Salt. Cook it in a pan for about three minutes, and when it cools, put it in the blender and puree it until it's quite smooth. So that is your mango chili puree. 
Now to make the cocktail, get a cocktail shaker filled with ice. You're gonna add some of the puree and you're gonna add vodka, four ounces of vodka. And you wanna add a quarter cup of coconut water and you want to shake that vigorously. For the puree you want to use about a half a cup. Once it's all shaken and it's very very cold, strain it into a chilled cocktail glass. You could use uh, a champagne flute from Mother's Day, you can use a martini glass, you can use a rocks glass, and then garnish it with a slice of fresh red or green chili in a lime. Oh, it sounds really pretty. Yeah, and I'm a huge fan of the sweet and spicy combination. Me too. And the salt helps to uh, gonna offset the, uh, the sweetness a little bit and open up your palate. Sounds good, and sounds like a good group party cocktail for people mm-hmm. to get together. Yeah, if you're going to make the mango chili puree, uh, then you can make it so that you can have uh, a big batch of it and uh, have the whole group enjoy and deliver all the glasses at once. Perfect. Speaking of uh, group activities, we mentioned the Ballard location and going out to visit there. And we also mentioned the Cast Club a little bit earlier in the show, Justin. But for people who aren't familiar with it and want to seize this opportunity before it's gone, can you explain the Cast Club real quickly to people? Sure. So the Cast Club is a membership program that we came up with that uh, is unheard of in the craft distilling movement anywhere in the U.S. until we put this together. You join as a member for the year. The fee is quite nominal. It's $279 for the year. You get a 10-liter barrel in the distillery. You tell us what you want in the barrel. We have people aging bourbon, rye whiskey, blended whiskeys, they're aging BSB, we have some aging vodkas and gins, uh, some are customizing it with special one-off flavor uh, additives or other uh, sweeteners or aging tricks that, that we can employ with them. Then they sample out of the barrel and over the course of many months the spirit in the barrel ages and, and uh, changes flavor profile, color and wood tones and you tell us when you want it to go in the bottle based on the color and age profile and flavor profile you're trying to achieve. We'll put it in the bottle, custom labeled, custom proofed, and you'll get about 10 to 12 bottles every six months or so out of your barrel, and uh, it's $25 a bottle. And in addition, as Casco members, you enjoy 20% off everything else we sell, uh, merchandise, other spirits. You also Uh, get entered into regular drawings that we have, tickets to football games, concerts, sporting events, baseball games, and and so on. And uh, we're just constantly trying to involve our members to uh, enjoy not only the spirit, but kind of the camaraderie of the Cast Club community that we're building. Right right now we have over a thousand active members in our Cast Club just among our existing locations. You touched on that word community, and that's the thing that I've been really impressed by is, is every single barrel when you walk in has this incredible story to go along with it, whether it's family, friends, loved ones. And I just think that's a really special thing. There's really not anything else like that because you get to share with your family and friends. You can bottle it. You can give it as gifts. It's pretty cool. It's not like a wine club at a winery. You know, in a winery yeah. wine club, you're just going to have wine shipped to you. I want Cabernet or I want Merlot. Um, it's not like any traditional whiskey club that comes out of Kentucky. This is a club, but you are actively engaged in designing and coming up with the flavor profile that you're trying to achieve. It's customized for you. And when you talk about walking in and seeing the barrels in the cast club, each location we have has multiple barrels and everybody has a plaque, their names on the plaque, 
their hometown or where they're from, and they all get to name the plaque like they name a boat. And it's fascinating <laughs> to walk through and just read these barrels. And there are many, many barrels we have where there are extra medallions put on. We've got quite a few folks in the military and law enforcement who uh, put their coin or their insignia on the barrel. And mm -hmm. just watching our customers in the cast club and in the tasting rooms stop to read all these plaques, where they're from, what's in the barrel, and any of that special insignia tells its own story. That's why we say every spirit has a story. It's so cool. How do So how can people get involved with that? Well, they can go to heritagedistilling.com. They can sign up for the cast club. They can pick the location where they want them. Uh, our distilleries in Gig Harbor, Eugene, Roslyn, and now Ballard. Um, or they can come into the tasting room and uh, talk to our staff and sign up. Perfect. And they can start their own story. Every spirit has a story. <laughs> uh, speaking of heritagedistilling.com, that is where you can always go to find this recipe that we talked about on the show today to make that cocktail or any of the past recipes. There's also links to articles. And if you need to download the podcast, catch up on past episodes, you can do so at heritagedistilling.com or at chiroradio.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on Instagram. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Well, thank you guys so much for hanging out for the last hour. We will see you next week. Thank you. Happy Cinco de Mayo. And everybody drink responsibly. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. Part of Cairo Weekends on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling on Cairo Radio. 97.3 FM.